Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on November the 27th, 2012. Newcomers, I always suggest at the beginning of the broadcast that you make good use of the website cuttingthroughthematrix.com. All the sites listed on the com sites are the official ones. They all have audios for download for free and they all have transcripts in English for prints up as well. And uh, if you go into Alan Watt Sentient, sentinel.eu, you can get transcripts in other languages. Remember, too, you are the audience that bring me to you. I don't bring on advertisers as guests. I don't uh, get paid from any other sources. All I have is a little bit of cash that trickles in once in a while from selling the books and discs at cuttingthroughthematrix.com and occasional donation. So if you like what you hear here, because I'm not in this for a business, believe you me, I could certainly go commercial with it big time, but uh, then I think you you lose part of yourself along the way. You're responsible to agencies and advertisers and all the rest of it as to what you can say. So I'd rather do it this way in the meantime anyway, uh, until it's until it's time to, to just quit it altogether. So if you like what you're hearing and so on, and you've learned an awful lot, I'm sure, as I say, there's over a thousand audios for free download there for the shows from the past. You'll certainly understand the big system you're born into and the con games that go on all around you. This is the normal society. It's not the Disneyland version that you're taught at school. This is the real reality. It's very, very corrupt, and it's all conology, as I call it. So if you want to buy the books and discs at com, you can use a personal check from the U.S. or you can use an international postal money order from the U.S. to Canada. You can also uh, send cash or use PayPal across the world, Western Union MoneyGram and PayPal. And straight donations, believe you me, are really, really awfully welcome. But we're going into this uh, time of transition. It's the age of transition. It's the century of change. You understand there have been forces at this, uh, in this world that declared war on the planet a long time ago, and all of the systems that had uh, emerged and evolved in societies in different countries all over the planet. And they got together, the moneyed boys it is, the big international boys, who raised countries up into empires even, and then when they moved out, they'd collapse from behind them and moved elsewhere. These boys decided to get together and create an ordered world that would suit them better. And, of course, they also wanted to demolish all of those outside uh, themselves uh, by destroying the cultures and destroying the values and the family units. And then government agencies, which they would control, would run the lives of people from birth to death. That's where the whole idea of Brave New World came from, that kind of society that was planned to come out of the times that you're going through today, by the way. And you've also got uh, George Orwell's 1984. So we've got both of them working at the same time at this particular transition phase. All this machinery for this, all the new taxes for the world to the United Nations, which is owned lock, stock and barrel by the Royal Institute for International Affairs and the Council on Foreign Relations, who set it up in the first place. 
they have all their machinery set up for taking tax money forever, all kinds of new taxes, carbon taxes and energy taxes, all kinds of taxes off you, and stepping them up, of course, once they have them on the books, uh, to, to finance their big international corporations across the world and keep you in submission, actually put you down. Eventually, they want to abolish all private property altogether for the ordinary people. And uh, that will come through increasing property taxes and, of course, as Karl Marx says, through increasing income taxes. Big boys at the top don't get that. They have loopholes for everything, and they generally put all their money into uh, different foundations and ways out of it. Back with more after this break. Folks, I'm back cutting through the matrix. Remember, Agenda 21 2 talks about the fact that there'll be no private property for most people uh, down the road. They want to abolish that because renting is a form of control by government agencies, councils, and so on. And they want to solve about control, Agenda 21, of course. And also, you'd have no private automobiles because there'll be essential vehicles only in their ideal system. That's all still to come. And um, meanwhile, I read a, a story yesterday as a, of a guy and his family. The man lost his, his, his job, uh, or his business went bust, and he moved on to his own land. He'd been in the family for 300 years. And uh, the local council uh, fined him and put him in prison because uh, he didn't have planning permission to put a, a little trailer on there to live in. Meanwhile, the country is in the worst depression I've had for many, many a moon. And, uh, and this is what you've got. So you're living in an age of technocracies, all these technocrats, appointed people and agencies all crawling over each other for, for turf, basically. They're all competing with each other for turf and rights and power over the general public. And it just gets crazier and crazier. Mind you, too, part of it is also training the public to be taxed more and more and more. You understand that's what really repetition is about, just teaching you to accept whatever they, they deem fit that you pay up. But here's how dumb it's getting now in Britain. Bedroom tax dilemma for social housing tenants. People living in social housing who have a spare bedroom will find any housing benefit claim reduced to about £40 to £80 a month next April under welfare reforms. But research seen by the BBC suggests that almost 95,000 people in England could be forced into arrears because there are no smaller homes for them to move into. So just some bureaucrat, just, you know, a bunch of them just meet at some meeting somewhere over, you know, cake and, and biscuits and tea and, and, uh, all hands up on this and, and something signs it and that's it. And all these folk are affected. Thousands of people are affected. Since tenants in the north of England will have been hit the hardest by the introduction of the so-called bedroom tax, housing officers say. The government says that, that the, it's called the under-occupancy. So it's under-occupied house, right? And they're getting sort of welfare benefits. And there's maybe an extra room. It says the under-occupancy penalty to give its official title will protect taxpayers from having to pay for a two- or three-bedroom house for a single person. But housing officers are preparing their tenants for penalties that many of them do not even know about. This is Jane MacDonald from Endeavour Housing in Stockton. says some of her residents can't read or write, so although there's a lot of literature about it, it doesn't make any difference. A lot of them can't speak English now in Britain. Her team is going to the people's houses to show them how to budget for the reforms which come into effect in April. 
The change will mean that anyone in social housing, which includes both housing associations and council housing, with a spare bedroom will lose 14% of their housing benefit or 25% if they have two spare rooms. Most tenants around here literally won't have a spare penny and there's nowhere for that money to come from. So they're not going to have to make that difficult decision to move or get into debt. So they are going to have to get, make that decision. Well, what decision is there? Yeah. And um, but this is this is bureaucracies, you see. This is bureaucracies, and I see these these multitudes of agencies all stacked above each other, uh, making decisions on on the cattle down below. That's how they see the public. There's too much of it, you understand. And this is a nightmare uh, that some people saw 80 years ago. 80 years ago would come. This, this type of system. Even even Lenin talks about it too. He says eventually there'll be so many agencies starting as services in Britain that become authorities, and there'll be so many authorities that'll all be fighting and stepping on each other's toes uh, for for the for power, all competing for power. In other words, power over the little guy, the masses, and that's what you've got today. And it's time basically the public, but they won't, but it's time the public got up and says, that's enough, and disband them all. Tear all the contracts up, everyone else, tear it up, start all over again. All you need is the, the bare minimum, that's it. That's, that's basically, that's what you have to do. And they'll get fat salaries at the top too, so you've got all these thousands of extra people to pay for, for their um, happy meals and so on, and their trips abroad to compare your council with someone else's council in another country. That's what they do. They've been doing that for years. And also this article come in too. People have been talking so much about um, pedophilia, and pedophilia, as I say, will be normalized. There's no doubt about it. It's been normalized in ads. Uh, all over the place as well and uh, eventually some big wigs will have a debate the United Nations, they want paedophilia at the United Nations by the way, they're the guys who want to do away along with Planned Parenthood for the consensual age for, for having sex with a child so that's where they'll go to make the decision eventually and of course we know where it's going to go, they, they really set the whole stage up and then they come out with the pre-planned debates and then leave you with the conclusions, anyway uh, the ones at the top, near the top, it's just amazing they're all into child abuse. It's just a staggering, it truly is staggering how you can be fixed on children. And it says, royal, a royal security chief, this is one of the top boys in Britain, charged with making child abuse images, it says. He works at the Home Office. So a government official with responsibility for Buckingham Palace security has been charged with making child abuse images. Home Office civil servant David Tracy, 48 years old, works in a Whitehall unit that spearheads strategy on tackling terrorism. Tracy was arrested by Essex police and charged with four counts of making indecent images of children. He appeared at the South End Magistrates Court November 14th, been bailed to return to Basildon uh, Magistrates Court on January the 8th. Tracy has now been suspended from duty the Office for Security and Counter-Terrorism, where he had access to plans for, of Buckingham Palace. Sources says Tracy had specific responsibility for advising strategy on the protection of royal palaces and other important public buildings, including Downing Street, where the Prime Minister lives, as well as of nuclear sites. The OSCT unit is part of the Home Office and reports directly to Home Secretary Theresa May and Parliamentary Under Secretary of State for Crime and Security, James Brokenshire. So it just shows you that just where, yes, it's all over the place. Just all over the damn place. It's astonishing. Or is it? I guess they've perverted the minds generation by generation. 
and and those who get stuck watching TV, um, they just fries your brain, fries your brain. Getting back to Britain again, and this is nothing new. This, this sort of article this comes out every year or two from Britain, just like the ones on, on the massive immigration that fl- comes into Britain, because that's the whole agenda, is to deculturize it. I'm surprised the country isn't sinking uh, with the weight of people that flood in. Because of the whole European Union, that's where most will want to go, because Britain has the best free benefits. I actually call it the welfare shopping. Uh, that's what they call it, welfare shopping. And it's never stopped, so it's not intended to stop, obviously. But with the massive cutbacks in the National Health Service over the years, they've just slashed, 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 slashed. There's so many things for, for Britain. I think all you can get there is an abortion now for free, and uh, or a vasectomy perhaps. And, and now they've got the virtual doctors, like I read yesterday, this is what they're putting up next, virtual doctors. But the National Health Service is free for all foreigners, it says. And uh, the government just made an order, whatever an order is, and it says, and you're paying for it, it says, all foreigners must be treated by general practitioners for free after an order is slipped through by the government, it says. Um, it could cost taxpayers millions of pounds. It was taking amid fears health chiefs could be sued under human rights law. And applies to all visitors to Britain, including tourists, businessmen and illegal immigrants. Directive quietly issued as MPs went on their summer holidays has sparked fears that GPs' waiting lists will soar, making it even harder to get an appointment. Thousands more health tourists may also be encouraged to come here to enjoy free treatment that can be very costly in their own countries. Doctors must now accept as a patient any foreign visitor in Britain for more than 24 hours. Boy, that's not bad, eh? Two senior backbench members of Parliament who, under, who uncovered the order have written to David Cameron to demand he personally intervenes to review it. But I, I think, too, that the European Union that supersedes Britain, is it? because Britain's really just a little province now of the EU, I think they've told them they've got to accept them regardless anyway. But this stuff has been going out, going out my, going on there my whole life, these kind of articles. And this is the agenda, obviously. So what's the point in even uh, bitching about it? And here's an article, too, to do with speech. Free spe- I've, never, I've never had free speech. Some people have more free speech than others, mind you. It depends how important you are or how powerful your group is. But it says, scrap law on insulting words and behavior that censors free speech, MPs urge. It says, law has disproportionate impact on freedom of expression. And it says, controversial legislation that criminalizes insulting words and behavior should be scrapped, members of parliament and peers urged yesterday. So there's some builds up to try to make it illegal to say certain things or to give certain gestures, I guess. The law which has been used to arrest a Christian preacher, a critic of Scientology, and a student who made a joke has a disproportionate impact on freedom of expression, the Joint Committee on Human Rights said. And a report recommended that ministers accept an amendment which would remove the insulting offence from the Public Order Act. Section 5 of the 1986 Act says someone is guilty for just using threatening, abusive or insulting words or behaviour within the sight or earshot of a person likely to, be caused, likely to cause harassment, alarm or distress. And critics say the law is a catch-all which censors innocent remarks and leads it to police and courts to decide what constitutes insulting words or behaviour. 
Home Secretary Theresa May began a consultation on scrapping the offence last year, but the government has not yet responded. And it says, the Joint Committee says, we understand the sensitivities within certain communities on this issue, but we nonetheless support an amendment to the bill. An amendment that could be debated during the House of Lords report stage of crime and courts bill today. In this report, the committee also urged caution for plans to allow cameras in court. It supported that governments aim to make justice as transparent and publicly accessible as possible. It's true it's going to be as transparent as frosted glass in your bathroom. But it warned that, the, that allowing trials to be filmed could, be, could deter vulnerable witnesses, including sex abuse victims, etc., etc. But the fact is, this will get passed because you're in a, a form of Marxist society at the bottom levels, and the fascists are all at the top. Very old agenda. And it's Pavlovian behavior conditioning. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm back with Cutting Through the Matrix. And as I say, we live in utter deception. You can get any country doing nasty things to other countries and turning around with straight faces and, and, and just throwing it away and saying, oh, what's the big deal? Or, or they'll tell you they've done the right thing and things like that. You know, it's a really a nasty thing that you've seen happen. And corporations are exactly the same. This is a time for mass corruption, you understand, because you see all the old values, even, even the old religions at least gave you values, even if you didn't believe in it. You were in a particular type of culture like Christianity. You had remnants of that that kept you on the kind of straight on narrow regarding what is right and wrong. Of course, in Kabbalah, they say there's no right and wrong, so that's where you are today. It's only kind of wrong if you get caught doing it. But here's an article here. That shows you how this technique works. It says, Romania on Friday, the Stockholm-based European Centre for Disease Prevention and Control said that 115 children in Romania have been sickened by a tuberculosis vaccine made in Denmark, according to businessweek.com. The children had symptoms including swollen lymph nodes and abscesses. So you remember too, that they get basically much like the pox, you know, and they end up getting these abscesses that can be infected. And 50 have been hospitalized since March. In a televised address November 22nd, Romanian Health Minister Raid Arafat said that the TB vaccinations would stop until the cause of the side effects is determined. Then you go to the makers of it, right? And it wouldn't matter what maker it was, they'd all have the same public relations thing. And it says here, Lymph node swelling is a completely normal side effect of the bacillus calmet gurin vaccine, according to Nils Strandberg-Peterson, Chief Executive Officer of Statens Serum Institute, a Copenhagen-based unit of Denmark's health ministry and maker of the vaccine. Peterson also said that he could not say whether the number is above the threshold that is normally seen. That's bad side effects or forget nil. And that abscesses are also seen as side effects as of the vaccine. So uh, that's your standard response from, from guilty parties as they cover their, their assets, you might say. And uh, this is standard everywhere. You, you, you know, you can't get truth out of any place that you look today in this day and age. From any government or corporation or anything, they all go through public relations. And their idea is to spin the truth or omit half the truth or so, or so on. And uh, they, they can tell you that if you had pustules, and, you know, all over your body with this thing, he still tell you there was a normal reaction to it. This is just how it goes. We've seen this with even the, the 
so-called anti-cervical cancer vaccines are given, which, by the way, is a, is a misnomer because even the inventor of it says it wouldn't do a damn thing. It was a woman, and she did talk shows on it when, uh, when she left the company. But anyway, when, when they start dying off in the clinics, it's just a coincidence they died off at that moment. That's what they're told to tell the public just after getting the jab. Now, I've mentioned before how degraded we are. We truly are degraded because you understand there's a campaign to degrade us through entertainment and, and altering society to just destroy all that was again to bring in the new. The new, by the way, is where you're supposed to be hedonistic. You live for yourself. You don't care what happens to others as long as you're not touched personally. And therefore you can go in your little circle of life, that little bubble you live in. And hopefully you'll get through it without men in black coming with like stormtroopers through your windows because you said something nasty on on Twitter or something. That's and therefore, in other words, you're all totally controlled by the states, and you have no free, freedom of choice at all, really, outside of the few things they hand to you. Take your pick of this, this, and this. This is your freedom of choice. Anyway, this article here sums it up too, through your television and so on, and your, how you're brainwashed and, and, and degraded by it. An actor who was cool and calm after two and a half men, Fuhrer, that's some television series apparently is really degraded. And it says, Angus T. Jones, the star of Two and a Half Men, who trashed his own show as filth, is cool and calm and doing very well, according to his interviewer who spoke with Jones after his comments prompted an online outburst by the media that makes it. Christopher Hudson, who hosts the online show Forerunner Chronicles, also told abcnews.com that he admired Jones for speaking so boldly about his religious convictions. So I'm impressed that this young man has the ability to deal with the situation in a responsible way, Hudson said today. The young man is a noble young man. Hudson's 15-minute long sit-down with Jones went viral after he posted it to YouTube Monday. As of this afternoon, it had more than 800,000 views. While most of the video is devoted to Jones' testimonial, testimonial about becoming a Seventh-day Adventist, he goes on to tirade about two and a half men, where he's played happy-go-lucky uh, child Jake Harper since 2003. And what he basically says, he says, Jake, this, this is a fictional character. He says, if you watch two and a half men, please stop watching two and a half men. Uh, I'm on and two half men, I don't want to be even on it, he says, or in it. He goes on to say, please stop watching, please stop filling your head with filth, please. Uh, people say it's entertainment. The fact it's entertainment, do some research on the effect of television on your brain, and you'll have a decision to make, he said. And, well, at least he's come out with the truth. And lots would never do that because of the kind of money they get paid for it. They'd never give up that, believe you me. Then the story goes on about... Um, the critics in Hollywood who uh, are all pretty filthy themselves because that's Hollywood's all about that, uh, can attack them on, on seeing things like that. And other ones will say you'll probably never work or have a hard time working again, etc., etc. So, you know, that's what you get when you come up with truth in this day and age. Most people are utter prostitutes, you understand. I mean, most people really are prostitutes when it comes to cash. They'll do what they're told and get along and go along to get along. Back with more after this break. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth.
folks. I'm back. We're cutting through the matrix. And of course, as I said before, it doesn't matter how much evidence comes out to the contrary of the global warming. It doesn't matter because, you see, that was set up years ago, the whole idea of it, many, many years ago, to bring the world under tight control of a few people and tax the blazes out of everyone and total control as well of a lot of your life and things that you do, you won't be able to do again. Uh, it's really con- this is the real ultimate control freak one uh, once you get really, really started into it. And But anyway, they're always on giving you scary stories, often utter lies and frauds. It doesn't matter, though, because, you see, they say themselves, even the politicians say, well, it doesn't matter if the science is all bogus, as long as we can redistribute the wealth that's going to help people. Well, it will help the international corporations that are all over the planet as we throw money at them wherever they have to set up shop. But here's an article here. It doesn't even make the mainstream. It says, Antarctic sea ice sets another record, it says. Antarctic sea ice set to another record this past week with the most amount of ice ever recorded on day 256 of the calendar year. And that was September 12th of this leap year. It says, please nobody tell the mainstream media or they might have to retract some stories and admit that they're misrepresenting scientific data. National Public Radio published an article on this website last month claiming 10 years ago a piece of ice from the size of Rhode Island disintegrated and melted in the waters off Antarctica. Two other massive ice shelves along the Antarctic Peninsula had suffered similar fates a few years before. The events became poster children for the effects of global warming. There's no question that unusually warm air triggered the final demise of these huge chunks of ice, it says. Well, the fact is, I've got a fridge here, for instance, that does, it's not, it doesn't defrost itself. And the ice builds up. And eventually when you open the door a big chunk will fall off. Well that's what happens you see in the Arctic and the Antarctic. You see these massive ice shelves getting torn atop overhanging the ocean and then they all fall off and they get too heavy. That's, that's natural you see. It's been doing that forever. But it says NPR failed to mention anywhere in this article that an Antarctic sea ice has been growing since satellites first began measuring the ice 33 years ago. And the sea ice has been above the 33-year average throughout 2012. Indeed, none of the mainstream media are covering this important story. A Google News search of the term Antarctic sea ice and record turns up not a single article on the Antarctic sea ice record at all. Amusingly, page after page of Google News results for Antarctic sea ice records show links to news articles breathlessly spreading fear and warning of calamity because Arctic sea ice recently set a 33-year low, it said. So, there's pure lies and deception out there. And uh, it's not going to stop. It's not going to stop. I mean, they've got away with so much uh, already, it's not going to stop. Because so much it hangs in the balance. I mean, they've already set up the bank in Switzerland, the private Rothschilds family bank, for all the carbon taxes to go through, for the whole planet. And you've got Al Gore and all the other companies too, they're trading stocks on carbon. Carbon, for goodness sake. One of the tiniest gases there is in the whole atmosphere. It doesn't matter if anything will do, but it's going to really be the big stick, the big club, to train you from birth to death to adjust your life and your children will really be robots and governed with so many government agencies dealing with them from birth right through their entire life to, to their dead. I'm not kidding about that, too. Now, Brzezinski said this about um, Iran, he says. He says, um, the U.S. should not follow Israel on Iran like a stupid mule, he says. 
So it says, uh, Washington, D.C., I don't think there's an implicit obligation for the United States to follow like a stupid mule whatever the Israelis do, said Zygmunt Brzezinski. If they decide to start a war simply on the assumption that we'll automatically be drawn into it, I think it is the obligation of friendship to say, you're not going to be making national decisions for us. I think that the United States has the right to have its own national security policy. Speaking before a conference sponsored jointly by the Arms Control Association and the National Iranian American Council, Brzezinski effectively ruled out a U.S. or Israeli strike or attack on Iran as an act of utter irresponsibility that would mean the region would be, would literally be set aflame. He wanted a policy based on such unrealistic options ultimately undermined U.S. credibility. Panelists at the event argued that the timing is right for a renewed diplomatic initiative with Iran. Right now is the time, uh, right after the American elections and right uh, before the Iranian elections, observed Professor Ahmed Sadri of Lake Forest College. This is, remember, back to 2008 when we were in the same point in the cycle, except right now on the ground the situation is much worse. There's more fissile material and there's less optimism, he says. So anyway, it won't matter. It won't matter because there's been demonstrations all over the U.S., Right now, by uh, um, pro-Israel or Zionists, uh, and, and you do wonder who's running the U.S. government at times. This is not, the whole world does. The whole world does wonder who's running the U.S. government. Now, China, all countries are into this fracking thing. When you stand back and you only look down at the whole planet here, and you see fracking going across the whole darn surface of the world... And uh, it makes you wonder, I mean, where's it going to all end? Because as they frack away, you know, it means the whole areas are going to be uninhabitable for, for years because of all the, the stuff that they pump into it, poisons of water and everything. And I guess they do have long-term plans. Maybe that all fit in was all being crowded into the cities, overcrowded cities in Agenda 21 uh, are moved off to certain certain crowded areas. Well, they leave all the country eventually to, to get back to normal after a 500 years or however long it takes. But um, it makes you wonder. Anyway, China's planning a huge fracking industry, it says. And shale gas in China, natural gas appraisal well of Sinopec in uh, Langzong County, Xinjiang, it says... Uh, China is ratcheting up its fracking ambitions with virtually no regard for groundwater protection or other environmental safety measures. See, China's more straightforward with killing off the excess population. I mean, they really are. They've got a history of this. So they just go straight to the point. And so many of them are already dying with cadmium poisoning and so on because in the polluted rivers, they poured the water on their fields to irrigate the vegetables. Anyway... According to a new investigation by the independent publication, uh, Kixon, it says, the report points to an October 24th white paper on energy development released by China's top cabinet, which calls for ramping up the industry and pumping 6.5 billion cubic meters of natural gas from underground shale formations by 2015. And it says, the, the model for Chinese anticipated success is the U.S. shale gas sector, the article states. Geologists estimate the nation's recoverable reserves to be, to be about 25 trillion cubic meters on par with the United States. So, it's going to be, and again, this is all part of the so-called alternative to burning coal. You know, because of the global warming nonsense and the, the carbon stuff, you know. So, so there you go. It's just uh, let's smash the planet up because of a of a myth.
a purposely laid out and created myth by the Club of Rome. That's the guys who invented the myth, you see. Corruption is everywhere, like I said at the beginning of the broadcast tonight. Because really there's no values now except get rich quick. And uh, try to get up above the safety margin, whatever safety margin there is, in every area uh, before everything collapses and you're down at the bottom with all the rest of the cattle getting shoved into the overcrowded cities. Anyway, it says, this man called Rennie is charged in a $2 million toy theft. And it says... um, Inside two GTA Greater Toronto area warehouses, police were shot to discover more than 150 skids of porcelain dolls, axe body spray, fruit cups, and items that did, almost didn't make it under the Christmas tree, it says. Stuffed into a washroom at North York warehouse, police also found missing CCM bicycles donated by the Premier Dalton McGinsey, Premier Ontario Office for Children at Salvation Army Camp. These were the spores of an unprecedented $2 million theft of donated toys and high-end goods. Police alleged were rerouted and siphoned off from a Salvation Army toy and food distribution centre to be sold for profits. We found actually beyond our imagination the volume of rerouted skids of donations that were meant to reach the warehouse at 150 Railside Road, Toronto. Uh, and it says Detective Robert Stain said Monday. And the guy who ran the Sally Ann there, Salvation Army, David Rennie, 51, the distributor centre executive director, was fired last week following an internal investigation has turned himself into police Monday morning. Faces 40 charges, including theft over $5,000, possession of property obtained by crime, criminal breach of trust, and conspiracy to commit theft and trafficking in stolen goods. So, you see, everybody's at it today. It's all through the, the, politi- the politicians are at it too. Everybody's at it. The expenses or whatever. But they're all, all at it. Because this is the age of corruption. You know, me, me, me. That's it. Basically. Mind you, that's all you see. They give you celebrities to follow that are multi-millionaires or billionaires even. That's all you've had since childbirth. These are the role models you get, you get shown. You know. And, Wonderful Egypt that is now democratic with a puppet government that we put in, of course. As I said before, what the first thing you do is you get them into massive debts and then you get the IMF in to give them a loan, which they never get out of the, the debts. And then the IMF runs the country. Literally, the IMF does come in with managers and they run your country for you. And you still have your titular uh, uh, puppet government, mind you. Egypt agrees to, to deal for $4.8 billion IMF loan, it says here. So they've reached a preliminary agreement Tuesday with the International Monetary Fund for a $4.8 billion U.S. loan, a step seen as vital to shoring up the nation's finances. And so that's that will happen all over the place where they didn't have these central banks or debts. Like Libya had no debt at all, in fact. Yeah. And this article, too, up tonight, is called Gaza, It's Mostly Punishment, it says. There's no country on the earth that would tolerate missiles raining down its citizens from outside its borders, per President Barack Obama said at a press conference last week. He drew on this general observation in order to justify Operation Pillar of Defense, Israel's most recent middle-age campaign in the Gaza Strip. In describing the situation this way, he assumes, like many others, that Gaza is a political entity external and independent of Israel. This is not so. It is true that Israel officially disengaged from the Gaza Strip in August 2005, withdrawing its ground troops and evacuating the Israeli settlements there. But despite the absence of a permanent ground presence, Israel has maintained a crushing control over Gaza from that moment until today. 
The testimonies of Israeli Army Israeli Army veterans expose the truth of what disengagement means before Operation Pillar of Defense. After all, Israel launched Operation Summer Rains and Autumn Clouds in 2006 and Hot Winter and Cast Lead in 2008, all involving ground invasions. In one testimony, a veteran speaks of a battalion operation in Gaza that lasted for five months, where the soldiers were ordered to shoot out, uh, to draw out terrorists so they could kill a few. And then they've got Israeli naval, naval blockades stop gases from fishing, a main source of food in the Strip. Air blockades prevent freedom of movement. Israel does not allow building materials into the area, forbids exports to the West Bank in Israel, and other than emergency humanitarian cases, prevents movements between the Gaza Strip and the West Bank. It controls the Palestinian economy by periodically withholding import taxes. Its restrictions have impeded the expansion and upgrading of the Strip's woeful sewage infrastructure, which could render life in Gaza untenable within a decade. The blocking of seawater desalination has turned the water supply into a health hazard, and Israel um, give them power, power shortages and all the rest of it too. So it goes on and on and on, and it gives some testimonies by some Israeli troops, what they're actually doing in there. They're even talking about the people looting. These were really poor, poor people, he says, but the soldiers were actually going in through the houses and trying to loot things, and even cut or anything, anything at all. Just loot them because they're just, well, animals, you see. That's how they're taught, they're animals. The European Parliament, strangely enough, warns against United Nations Internet control. It'd be interesting to see who, who, who they want to control it themselves, of course. The UN should not be allowed to take over control of the Internet. It says reports in the Russian press have suggested the Kremlin and others wanted control of key Internet systems passed to a United Nations agency. Internet control currently lies largely with US-based groups such as ICANN, which regulates the web address system. The European Parliament has said the UN's International Telecommunications Union was not the appropriate body to have authority. It says ITU has said a new treaty was needed to ensure the free flow of information around the world, promoting affordable and equitable access for all and laying the foundation for ongoing innovation and market growth. The UN agencies hosting the conference to drop the treaty between 3rd and 14th December in Dubai. Members of the European Parliament backed a resolution which urged member states to reject changes to the international telecommunications regulations which would negatively impact Internet as architecture, operations, content and security, business relations, Internet governance and the free flow of information online. Then it says equal rights. Well, that's something. I'll be that everybody else who uses the Internet, they'll probably start taxing us all, asking us all, so we'll pay for all those who don't have the Internet in other countries. There'll be something like that here. You know, that's where they're going with all this stuff. Nothing is ever done for your benefit, folks. And and it says here, Jewish and Christian groups clash over U.S. aid to Israel, it says. Jewish groups have reacted furiously to a letter of Congress to Congress by 15 leaders of Christian denominations asking for a review of whether some of the $3 billion in annual United States aid to Israel is being used in violation of U.S. law and policies. I think they try this every so often to stop the aid, and, uh, of course, they retaliate, and nothing happens. Tonight, Sue will put up an article about one of the mayors in Mexico who uh, was killed the other day trying to stop drugs, etc. It's just incredible what's happening down there. And this woman has been attacked twice before and shot a few times as well. She was a mayor, she had her own children, and she 
she did her best and all the rest of it for the people to stop the drugs. But it's not the policy to stop the drugs, because you see, the big folk who run the world run the drug trades as well. And it profits good to them. They don't care where the profit comes from. But I'll put this link up tonight. You can, you can read about this woman. It was quite, quite a life she had, and she certainly stuck to her, to her convictions. Also, it says, millions of lonely people. The tragic legacy of the left's war on families was not just the left. The left works with the right at the higher levels. I'm not talking about the people that you know. I'm talking about the ones who really run the world. And uh, they run both sides of it. And that's by tradition, by the way. And uh, and that was part of their goal, destroy the family and destroy the, the, the natural community. The communities that they recreate are all run by well-being specialists that come in and talk to you like a child. How are we today? Are we feeling well today? You know, etc., etc. Anyway, I'll put this article up as well to show you how uh, folk are just uh, going into depression. Mind you, I guess it will help speed up the death rate as they commit suicide and get euthanasia pills offered to them as well. And Obama wants more military aid to Israel after the ceasefire. I mean, it's more than the $3 billion we're talking about, the Christian-Israeli thing. Uh, I mean, the missiles galore and everything else. Anyway, Obama has just promised he's going to give them a lot more military and financial aid after the ceasefire agreement, it says here. So back with more after this break. Hi folks, we're back cutting through the matrix. Also, John Pilger does some good stuff. I don't agree with everything he says, mind you. But uh, he certainly does some good stuff, and he has been all over the world and put his own personal body in the front lines, you might say, in different countries that are war-torn. But um, he goes on about the BBC and its propaganda and its historical role of, of pushing propaganda. And he says in Peter Watkins' remarkable BBC film called The War Game, which foresaw the aftermath of an attack on London with a one-megaton nuclear bomb, the nar- narrator says... On almost the entire subject of thermonuclear uh, nuclear weapons, it says there's now practically total silence in the press, official publications and on television, as there hope to be found in this silence. The truth of the statement was equal to the irony, because then it says in 1965, the BBC banned the war game as too horrifying for the medium of broadcasting. It says this was false. The real reason was spelled out by the chairman of the BBC Board of Governors, Lord Norman Brooke, in a secret letter to the Secretary of the, to the Cabinet, that's the politician, Sir Burke Trend. The war game is not designed as propaganda, he wrote. It's intended as purely factual statement and is based on careful research into official material. But the showing of the film on television might have a significant effect on public attitudes towards the policy of the nuclear deterrent. As is following a screening attended by senior Whitehall officials, the film was banned because it told an intolerable truth. You'd all get blown up, and that was it. Sixteen years later, the then BBC Director General Sir Ian Trewathen renewed the ban, saying that he feared for the film's effect on people of limited mental intelligence. That's the average viewer of the BBC. But then he goes on to, to how they, they pretend that they're fostering trust amongst the public and so on and so on. 
It says, this is notably true in the Middle East where the Israeli state has successfully intimidated the, the BBC into presenting the theft of Palestinian land and the caging, torturing and killing of its people as an intractable conflict between equals. That's how it's portrayed to the general person. Standing in the rubble from an Israeli attack, one BBC journalist went further and referred to Gaza's strong culture of martyrdom. Really, strong culture of martyrdom. So great is this distortion that young viewers of the BBC News have told Glasgow University researchers they're left with the impression that Palestinians are the legal colonizers of their own country. The current BBC coverage of Gaza's genocidal misery reinforces this. And then they go into some more history of the BBC and how it was set up as a propaganda outfit, of course, to, and it's, it's owned by the government and the establishment at the very top. And how they've always used it for propagandic purposes. And they decide what you're supposed to know, what you're not supposed to know, how you're supposed to see things, perceive things. And they always leave you with the opinions you're supposed to have that your betters have left you with. It works awfully well, but all television really does. All television does. There's no such thing as real, unbiased anything out there. There really isn't. Not in this day and age. There certainly, certainly isn't. I don't care what they show you. It doesn't happen. But as I say, it's worth reading this article because he goes on uh, and gives you more and more and more uh, of the history of the BBC and the colonial wars and how the BBC coverage all the colonial wars, etc., etc., and how they even uh, really went overboard to cover up the legal wars that Blair and Bush had on the invasion of Iraq and the, the, the massive slaughtering and so on. It's well worth it, reads. From Hamish Marcel from Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me, your God or your God's go with you. <laughs>